From our headquarters in Oslo, Norway, and on behalf of our host, Robbie Peralta, welcome to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. Working with cybersecurity makes us skeptical. Not sure if that is working by design or just a consequence, but in general, I'd say it's pretty true. For example, we've all been groomed to understand that if you're not paying for the product, you are most likely the product. Why? Because there is no such thing as a free lunch, of course. However, there are exceptions to that notion, and ironically enough, many of them exist in the open source and cybersecurity space. What they do and how they do it will differ from each service, but one of Mnemonic's favorites has chosen DNS to carry out their mission, to provide privacy and security to as many people as possible at no cost. Too good to be true? That is a question for you, John Todd. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks it's a pleasure to have you here. You work for a fantastic organization. Uh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. We all we all think so. I guess it's um, is call it a nonprofit? Is it a charity? What would you what do you define it as? Uh, so you explain to your neighbors. So sure, Quad Nine is uh, is a nonprofit. We're a we're a five hundred one c three, which in the United States means that we are uh, registered as uh, not able to make income. We don't have a shareholders or anything like that. So we're a public company, I guess is the best way to put it. Good people, good people. Yeah. And your background yourself, you come from, uh, where do you come from? So my background is varied. The question is where in the OSI stack have I have I worked? Um, <laughs> it's kind of all over. Um, I've done a lot of open source work, mostly working with uh, internet service provider and kind of uh, layers, layers zero through four most of the time. So I did a lot of work at co-locations and ISPs and actually worked with some satellite um, systems for a while, both uh, cash cash delivery and GPS and all kinds of things. So, uh, you know, kind of all over the stack, but mostly at the bottom layers. And one of the things that's been consistent through all of my different employments has been working with the DNS. And that's kind of what's gotten me to where I am today Mm. with with Quad9. Okay, so uh, let's dive into it. Tell us about sure. why we should change our uh, DNS resolvers to 9999. <laughs> sure. So what we do is that we have a service that does this recursive resolution, but we have a list of different threat domains, you know, domains that are out there to try to harm you or your computer. So things like malware and phishing and spyware, botnets, kind of the, the, the rogues gallery of bad things out there. We get uh, a very large list of those together. And there are, you know, using the DNS as a method to block access to malicious sites is not a new idea. It's been around for a while. But what we do is slightly different in that, A, we do it for free. So that's a big, that's a big change. Uh, big but, difference. <laughs> yeah, but, and B, um, we don't use the data that we collect to do anything unexpected. So many companies now, are trying to find the, the trying to eke every bit of um, money out of data flows that they can, and the DNS is one of those data flows that's particularly interesting, mm-hmm. because every site you go to, or your computer, or your mobile device goes to, even now, even though now these days the content of the site is encrypted and um, so therefore is private, the fact that you're going to the site is revealed by the fact that you're trying to get you're trying to get that name to, to IP address mapping, and so having mm-hmm. Anybody who sees that that DNS flow of data, um, there's a strong incentive to somehow monetize that either directly or what I'll say indirectly. 
Um, you know, if you're a if you're a big content network or you're a big marketing network, you try to offer free services to encourage people to use your DNS recursive resolver because it gives you an advantage to provide either better answers or to look at data more closely and to kind of monetize that in, again, direct or indirect ways, whether it's looking at everyone's query data and trying to figure out where they're going, which is a very valuable data set to have. So that's kind of the reason that people tend to use the service is that you get both the high, high um, security with what we provide in the block, but also the privacy because we have no there's no hidden revenue stream that we're trying to produce with private data about individuals. In fact, there's no sign up. We don't actually have a sign up. We don't even know who our end users are. So there's no email address you need to give us. There's no contract you sign. You simply just start using the service. And mm. we we list that as a that's a feature, not a bug. Um, mm. we, we don't actually we don't actually quite even know how many users there are on the system. Um, again, that's a feature, not a bug, because we don't track any of the data about our end users. We never store IP addresses uh, of end users in any form. So if you know, we have no way of correlating a query to an IP address. So that that data is immediately thrown out. We'd actually never transmit it or write it to disk. So privacy is one of our our primary goals. So that's kind of the that's kind of the service in a nutshell. We can talk about all the different variations, <laughs> flavors of it. But that's that's really what we what we do. And we can actually we can talk also about how we get this threat list and things like that. Up what. Yeah. Uh, what direction do you want to take it? Yeah, well, um, you know, first of all, you know that saying, if if you're not paying for the product, then you're the product. You're <laughs> well, the, it's the, too, good, too good to be true almost. No, it is. It is, And that's that's actually a question I have to answer a lot. It is too good to be true for some people. So I have to explain why that is. It's too good to be true. But if you're if you're looking at a for-profit company, yeah, it's almost always too good to be true, right? If someone's making money mm. on this, it's too good to be true. But we're not making money on it. So the funding for Quad9, which is kind of the next question, like, well, how do you make the money at all? The funding for Quad9 mm. comes from usually a variety of security providers. So these threat domains, how do we know a domain is, is malicious? And mm. um, this actually ties in quite well. So companies like Mnemonic um, and others provide us, there are about 19 different threat providers right now that we have in our stable. Um, they provide us threat information at no cost. Um, so, uh, and then we return to them, and the reason they do that is we return to them summary information about those threats. So we can tell a threat provider that, hey, today we saw 100,000 hits on this particular domain uh, coming from these rough geographic areas. You know, we saw 100,000 coming from the, uh, London, we saw 20,000 coming from New York, whatever it happens to be. Um, and those volumetric data sets are extremely valuable to the threat information provider. So they turn around and use that to improve their threat feed um, that they then in turn resell to their customers, or at least they make it. They make a better. They make a better security model with the data that we provide backwards. So that's that's mm -hmm. what the incentive is for those threat intelligence providers to work with us. Um, and mm -hmm. some of those threat intelligence providers, that data is so useful that they actually sponsor us. So they they provide us mm -hmm. money to keep us going forward because that data, that feedback um, about the usefulness of their data is enough to be uh, is enough to move Quad Nine forward. But I think the, you know, the vast majority of our funding right now comes from donations in kind. So equipment, mm. um, network space, um, those kind of things. Mm. And probably a dumb question coming from somebody in Mnemonic, but uh, I assume we get that information just by analyzing sure. sites? Or well, so that there's a, there, it's a chicken and egg. Um, so what has to happen is the threat intelligence providers first to have to have some reason to believe 
uh, some some objective reason to believe that a site is malicious for some reason. Mm. Um, and that, that usually is from analysis of um, uh, IP address data, like, okay, we see this, this slash 24 in, you know, this particular country or this particular hosting provider. You know, in the past, we've seen lots and lots of fraudulent or, or malicious domains in that slash 24. We see a new domain appear in that slash 24. So we have a suspicion that it's bad. We looked at it. We saw no, you know, it, it appears to have all the hallmarks of being bad. So that then the threat intelligence provider would add it to our feed with what a very high likelihood of that that, that domain being fraudulent. At that mm. point, we start to return data back to the threat intelligence provider about how many hits that domain is getting and roughly from where they're located. Um, mm. And from that information, then the threat intelligence provider can figure out, well, this is this is we, we now have stronger belief in this being fraudulent. We're going to leave it in the list or we see some problems with this or it looks like a false positive. So again, improving mm. improving the threat data that our threat providers give to us is a big component of what Quad9 does. So it not just improves the security feed for us, um, but it also improves security feed for the downstream customers of every one of our threat intelligence providers. Which again is a it's not our it's not our goal to improve the threat intelligence feed for the commercial side of our threat intelligence providers. But mm. if that happens, that's great. We're we're happy to mm. see that because again, our charter is to make the internet a safer and more private place. Mm. When you started with this, with the mission, the original mission was security, right? Why, why did you choose DNS over other things that you could have potentially? Sure. Um, so the DNS is something that almost, it really, every device on the internet has to talk to the, a DNS server somewhere. I'm sure mm. that there are some exceptions to that, but you know, 99.999% of all devices have to do a DNS lookup in order to do an internet transaction. So it's kind of the universal API. Um, there's there's almost nothing that um, that is capable of getting that kind of reach for security. You could argue that well, firewalls, of course, if you block the actual IP traffic between two endpoints, then yes, you can provide security that way. But that's that's extremely difficult to scale. Firewalls are very very localized. You know, local administrators have a lot of control, and there's a lot of overhead, and they're extremely difficult to manage um, at, at scale. Again. But the DNS is something that we can apply to millions of users very, very quickly. Um, and uh, so that was what attracted us. And it applies not just to their desktop. Um, the DNS can be applied to Internet of Things devices have to mm. talk to DNS servers. Mobile devices yeah. have to talk to DNS servers. So um, it's really the, it's kind of the most universal API out there. It doesn't solve all security problems, right? Not not every D, not every security issue is, has a DNS component. Uh, there was mm. a study done that shows about about thirty percent, however, about thirty percent of security incidents have a DNS component that, if the DNS was blocked, um, would prevent that wow. issue from happening. So, you know, I'll take thirty percent of security issues being blocked on my network for free, right? That sounds like a yeah, pretty good definitely. deal. Um, <laughs> And um, again, the, 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 the way that Quad9 is structured is very different than anybody else in that we combine the threat intelligence feeds not just from one source. We combine them from almost as, as many sources as we can reliably mm. collect. And this is what makes it so powerful. I mean, the feed that Mnemonic gives us is combined with the feeds from uh, all these other different providers and there might be some specialized areas that, that uh, are missed by one provider, but are covered by another. Mm. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, that is different regions of the world too, as well. I'm assuming. Right, that's uh, that's also mm-hmm. true. Um, so there are different threat providers that we get from different areas, from some from Europe, mm-hmm. some from the United States, and some from Asia. And they they have different areas of focus. You know, finding security threats is a is a very specialized business, and it takes a lot of mm-hmm. um, you know uh, human focus. Um, there is of course a lot of automation, but it also requires human expertise to do, and that's mm-hmm. something that Quad Nine specifically decided not to get into the business of doing like we there's no way we would have the staff or the expertise to identify all those threats so those people are expensive too (laughs) yeah they're expensive and it's and that that and you know companies like mnemonic and others do this really really well why would we try to do that if we can collect Mm -hmm. the data from the threat intelligence providers combine it all and provide Mm -hmm. that service at no cost that seems to be a really effective way of distributing best of breed to use that awful industry term but mm. but really best quality security services um mm. at as low an entry point as possible lowest friction possible all you have to do is change two ip addresses in your dns settings in your mm. computer and mm. and you get this tremendous benefit at no cost so yeah that's that's kind of why we focused on dns because of the the low friction and the ability to scale this out to millions of users very very quickly Hmm. So if I change those resolvers to nine 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 nine, then I, you know, ne- next time I click on a Nigerian prince has million dollars for me linked, then <laughs> that won't go through. But I remember you also have nine 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 ten and nine 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 eleven. What are those? Right. What are those ones for? We we have different what we call um I guess for lack of a better term we have different flavors of the service. So flavors. Um, we have different flavors, meaning different IP addresses as well that are slightly different than that that have different capabilities. So nine 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 has blocking. Um, and uh, and uh, our standard um, security offering. 99910 though is for people who are looking for unblocked results. And there are some people who don't want to have the block list um, on their DNS resolution. Mm-hmm. They want to have they want to be able to see every um, name out there. Everything. And mm-hmm. so yeah, that's so 99910 actually does not have the block list. And in fact, we also don't apply uh, the, the technology called DNSSEC. Um, we've turned off DNSSEC on 99910. DNSSEC is a, the brief explanation of DNSSEC is that it, um, it validates the answers. It makes sure that the answers that Quad9 gets are the answers that were actually generated by the, by the owner of the domain. Um, mm. It's not encryption, um, but what it does is it validates that no one has messed with the answer in flight. That prevents the sort of like man in the middle for hijacking your DNS traffic. Or, That's or correct. HG, it, yeah. it, well, it prevents man in the middle from occurring between Quad9 and the owner of the domain name, which is, and that's mm. usually the longest, that's the longest stretch of the transaction. And so on that path, DNSSEC makes sure that the answer that was provided is the answer that's actually received by us. Mm. Now, the, the, the next component is, all right, how do we get the answer from Quad9 to your computer without someone mm. messing with it there? And there are Again, two, yeah. yeah, there are two technologies for that that we support. One of them is DNS over TLS or DOT, um, which is an encryption method that's um, supported uh, as an example in um, Android devices right now. And, and then there's also another one called DNS over HTTPS or DOH, DOH, um, and some browsers like Mozilla and Chrome support that. So mm. um, basically, all the security, all the encryption, we're we're very much about how we can provide the best answers um, in the, the most secure way. Why would somebody pay for DNS if they could just 9999 it? 
Sure. Um, there are some good reasons you might want to pay. Um, one of the things that Quad9 does not provide is we don't provide reporting. So because mm. we don't know who our user community is, there is no way for us to, to build a report and give that to the, an mm. end user uh, because we don't have that understanding of who our user base is. So that's why you'd want to pay. Or that's why you'd want to go to a service mm. that has a, a paid component. But by doing that, you're also saying, well, I don't, I'm not as concerned about my privacy. And maybe for some businesses, that's okay. But for most people, mm. they're, they're a little bit, you know, you become aware that you're, you're, you're giving up all that data to somebody. And um, Quad9 mm. at, at, provides the service. We just don't provide you the feedback um, that a commercial service might give. Who would want, who's the one that would want like the, to know that sort of information that was a reporting, like a CISO? I guess it would be, that's kind of uh, ironic. I mean, the security team doesn't. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of politics that are involved with security in, inside of companies. And once you pass a certain size, it gets really complicated. Um, there, that's not to say that, that larger organizations don't use Quad9. They do, actually. Very large organizations use Quad9. Mm. But they typically also have their own internal security platform that they use to look at the same results and digest them. Mm. So they just use this as an additional layer of protection on top of their existing security platform. And in fact, we really suggest that Quad9 is not the only thing you use <laughs> uh, for security. We strongly suggest that Quad9 is a layer in a, in a multi-layer approach. You know, you should have antivirus software in your computers and you should have mm. a firewall that looks at suspicious traffic and you should have a DNS filter like Quad9. All of those work in combination. Hmm. Well, hey, a free 30%. That's a, a key takeaway. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you, so uh, what, one of the things that's interesting about Quad9 is that we deploy into a lot of places that other people don't. So as an example, we have yeah. a large number of, of cities in Africa where we have mm. our service. And it is typically the case that security um, on with a, with a lower GDP national um, uh, budget that that is a mm. corresponding lower level of cybersecurity on an individual yeah. basis. There's just a correlation that you can see there. So mm. giving the service away in places where there isn't typically an additional layer of security is an incredibly effective thing to do. That 30% that Quad9 can block becomes the only 30% in many cases that's blocked. And it's not, it, we're not part of a layered strategy. Um, which mm. is unfortunate, but we would rather see 30% blocked than 0% yeah. blocked. And mm. so that's something that's frequently the case where Quad9 is often the only security that people deploy. Um, and again, for free, that's not bad. And so we're trying to extend that reach as much as we can while still encouraging people to deploy other security solutions. You know, take something for, for nothing is a, is a pretty good deal. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question, kind of random, but I'll ask it anyway. COVID stories. Sure. I'll just throw it out there. Has any of you heard any of them? Yeah. Uh, so what we did um, uh, is that uh, beginning of 2020, when COVID first started to gain a lot of traction, there was a corresponding sharp rise in the number of sites that were providing uh, that were fraudulent, uh, that were providing bad yeah. data, or you know pretending to do one thing and and delivering another, like malware sites that were saying you know download this COVID tracking app, mm. which was actually deploying malware as an example. So we had several providers um, who incorporated COVID-specific data into their feed. We actually had several providers who also then created a separate feed specifically targeting COVID um, fraud domains. And uh, we, wow. incorporate, we incorporated those into our platform and they saw a tremendous traction uh, really the mm. second, third quarter of 2020. 
So as far as traffic goes, we've actually seen some interesting results of that. Quad 9 was growing at around 5%, I think, earlier this year, 5% per week. Um, and that was mostly due to organizational additions. So schools and small businesses and government agencies, you know, small state, local, regional uh, agencies um, in, in all around the world were participating in Quad 9. But as soon as COVID started forcing people home, we saw a, a drop in that growth rate. So we only went down to about 1% or 2% growth um, uh, per week, which is still pretty amazing. We finally got some sleep that week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's still pretty, still pretty amazing growth. But we saw that flatten off um, towards the middle of 2020. The, the, the answer might be we see more individual users now using Quad9 is our suspicion and looking at the trends that seems to hold out. Um, because people are going home and they're individually selecting to use Quad9 on their home laptop. And that's great. That's, mm. that's kind of what our, our service is geared towards. But really, that doesn't get us the most number of users. What we're mm. most interested in are, again, these small organizations. Schools uh, are a big one because uh, of the mm. privacy guarantees that we have. But schools, um, government agencies, ISPs are actually another interesting place. Um, we're seeing a lot of ISPs cutting over to Quad9 um, and, and getting rid of their existing infrastructure. But again, because of that slowdown in the, the organizational uptake, um, because people aren't in, they're not in the schools, they're no, not in the business. Yeah, exactly. So we did see a slowdown. And so we probably have more individual users now, or you know, more endpoints are actually accessing the Quad9 system. But each endpoint mm -hmm. has fewer people on it. So I expect mm -hmm. that's going to change, um, hopefully with um, COVID um, in 2021. Um, if the vaccine is successful, people returning to work at some point later in the year, um, we'll start to see those organizational numbers start to tick, tick up again uh, and the growth patterns going back to our, our previous ridiculous numbers instead of just the, the merely outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like 5% per week and those are big numbers already. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's not a lot of sleep here. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to get that sleep. It's important for all of us that you get that. Yeah. But uh, I can promise you there'll be a few more users uh, once I get this uh, this episode out there. Great. Uh, I won't be one of them because I'm already I've been there ever since the first time we talked. <laughs> Good. So Good. Uh, on behalf of um, of Mnemonic and the other 19 threat intelligence partners <laughs> that you have, thank you. We appreciate you and all of our listeners. You're doing uh, great great work. Great. great Thanks stuff. for giving me the chance to talk. Pleasure. All right. Take care, Mr. Todd. Bye. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Mnemonic Security Podcast. If you have any concepts or ideas that you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, please feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn or to send us a mail to podcast at mnemonic.no. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.